0: Well, opening your Bible to Luke chapter 10, we're going to read verses 1 through 16. I'll read through all of them once real fast, and then we'll go back through and kind of pick them apart. This was a hard uh, passage for me to go through. And did any of you read ahead and you read these verses? Okay, I don't know if this was easy for you. This was hard for me to go through. I was going to cover about 10 more verses, but I ended up cutting it back and we're only going to go through 16 verses, but sometimes, when I'm going through and I'm grabbing verses, it's just like it's evident. It's clear. It's like, okay, God, you are speaking in these verses. This one was not one of those. Anyone, you ever had an assignment do for anything, for school, for work, for whatever? Anyone? Okay? And, and it just seems like it's not coming together. Anyone? Okay? Let's be honest. How many of you have waited to the last second for anything? You're like, I'm going to put this together. Okay? This wasn't quite last second. But it was one of those where it was just wrestling with the scripture and asking God to show us something, show me something, show us as church project something today. And it's been really neat as I've been going through this this week, just studying this passage. And I got to let you know, for those of you that know that I meet with my, my grandpa on Tuesday mornings, uh, this last Tuesday, I like to call it En Fuego. It was hot. It was good. Um, we, we talked about this passage, and I feel like God has really shown us some good things this morning. So... Are you ready for this? Let's talk about this. Let's go through this. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Verse 3 Go! I am sending you out like lambs among the wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick. Who are there, and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Verse 10. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre or Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me... Rejects him who sent me. Wow. How many of you followed completely through everything that we just read? Nobody. Okay, very good. Did I did I read it wrong? There's a lot in here, isn't there? This is one of those where house church, this is gonna be a good thing to talk about. This is a good these are good passages to go through right here. And so I want to go through and I want to highlight some things. We say this pretty much every week, but we believe it completely that this Bible was given from God to us. Do you, do you agree with that? We believe that this Bible is God's word to us and it instructs us, each and every one of us in our life. Um, sometimes people give it the acronym, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, right? It's an owner's manual, if you would, if you if you look at this thing. I look at the Bible as God's word for me, for my life, instructions on how to live, how to deal with hard things, how to move through life. It's his word. It's encouraging. It's it's advice. It's instruction. It's beautiful. And as we sit here on Sundays and and we unpack a little bit of the passages, there's some things that the Holy Spirit will teach you. And that's Christian words for you're going to be sitting here and God's going to prick your heart or he's going to prick your mind somehow and he's going to bring something to your mind. But that's just on Sunday mornings. That's what we can do here. What about tomorrow when you pick up this passage, when you start going through this? What about Tuesday and Wednesday when you're wrestling with this? Those are the most beneficial times for me when you guys aren't around, when no one's around. It's just me in my pajamas, if, if I'm lucky, with hot chocolate or whatever, and I'm sitting there and God is speaking to me. So I encourage you, church, go grab your Bible. I don't care what version you grab. Grab your Bible, open it up, and start reading it. It's a love story, and it instructs all of us. And this passage, you can sit down tomorrow morning and tonight And God will show you some cool stuff that's just for you. So I encourage you, do that. Grab your Bible. If you don't have one, steal one of ours. It's our gift to you. So there you go. Let's let's look here. Verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Well, one of the things about the Bible is that um, oftentimes you'll come across some things that, that we call contextual variances. And one of these contextual variances is I don't know what version you had but, but maybe one of the versions you have says 70 people instead of 72 people. Is that a problem for any of you? That one version will say 70 and one will say 72. Some people are like, yeah, that's a huge problem. I see big problems in that. Some of you you're like, nah, whatever. You know, whatever. Is that is that a variance? Is that is that evidence that proves that the Bible's not true? When we come across these contextual variances, as, as they're called, things that seem to be different in one book of the Bible and in the other book of the Bible, is that, is that a problem for you? I, I would hope that if it is, that you can go and you can start grabbing the different versions of the Gospels and synoptic Gospels and looking at them and comparing and, and asking God to show you some things. But you know what? As I come across these variances in, in, in the Bible, oftentimes, especially when I was young in junior high or, or high school, I'd be like, see... The Bible contradicts itself all over the place. What's up with this? You know, what's going on with this? And it would send me spinning. It would send me downward, and, and I'd be like, I don't know about the authenticity of the Bible, and I don't know about this. Any of you ever been there? No? Yes? Okay, we got some hands shaking, okay. I've been in this now. I'm 39 years old. What, two weeks ago or whatever. That's that's kind of old, unless I'm looking at... Never mind. I won't go there, Brant. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've been a Christian, the most, the most significant thing in my life is this year, it marks the 30th year of my, of my Christian life. I'm 39 years old, but I've been a Christian for 30 years. And, and, and I love that. And as I've come across contextual variances, I've come across things like this. One of the things that, that God has really been able to work out with me is the fact that I completely believe in this Bible. And even when we come across these, these variances of 70 or 72 or whatever, this is what I begin learning. This is what I begin fleshing out in my own life, especially when we come to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three different people. If, you, if three of us saw stories and we each wrote our story, our version of what we saw, would it be word for word? Would you see something different than I would? We would all see something different. Are we explaining the same event? Are we explaining the same thing that's happened? Yes. So when I look at this, and I, and I look at how much harmony there is in the Bible, especially amongst the, all the authors that wrote it over a, a huge amount of time, over different places, and yet it is a harmony of the message, I look at that, and I look at these variances, as we call them, and I go, Thank God for these variances. I would tend to look at a Bible that was word for word by three different people and and saying the same thing. I would look at it as I'm not sure that that's quite authentic. The fact that we have different people seeing the same story and saying the same thing, for the most part, is absolutely incredible. It's been translated a whole lot, it's gone through a lot of different things, but I believe in this Bible. Do you? I'm okay with coming across passages where it says 70 or 72. I'm okay with that. I can point you back. And let me point you back to Numbers chapter 11, verse 24 and 25. This may be what the author is intending to kind of reflect back on. But he says this, if you want to look at that later, it's when Moses and Aaron come down and God says, pick 70 leaders to march forward. It could be referring to that. So if this 70 and 72 is throwing you off, have fun with it. Go start studying it. And I believe at the end of your study, you're going to find that this Bible is still speaking truth. So I just wanted to point that out. Because as we come across variances, how do we look at those? That's one way I would look at them. As the the Lord appointed 70 or 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Verse 2 he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So we see these 70, 72 people. God splits them up in, into twos and sends them out before him. So how many towns is that? I'm not good at math. 36, 35, somewhere in there, Okay. Now, do you think Jesus is really saying, okay, I'm going to split you guys guys up. I'm going to send you out in twos to the various towns. And I am going to visit 35 to 36 towns as I'm making my way to Jerusalem. Do you think he's really saying that? I don't. I think he's giving us a picture here of what he's saying to the world at large. He's saying that this message is so big that I'm splitting you up and I'm sending you out. And you, as we've been looking at throughout the last couple chapters of the Bible God is now revealing this message and giving it to the disciples and he's saying this has been on me but I'm giving it to you disciples to go spread this incredibly good message and so he sends these people out two by two the disciples out they start going out and he gives us a bigger bigger picture of what this mission is for it's not for those cities alone is it this mission this mission and this message is for the world at large And I'm excited when I read that and when I see that. And I thank God for that. In essence, what he's saying is, uh, as I'm sending you out, this is not a limited commodity. If you're in business, you look at your town, and business operates like this. You corner the market, don't you? Like You have limited commodity. And so you hire how many people you can, and you get as much of that market as you can to make as much money. It's a limited commodity. See, Jesus... If he was following that business plan, he would have said, hush it down because we're the ones that can spread this on. But Jesus is saying, I'm opening this message up to the world at large. It's not a limited commodity. It's going out to these 35, 36 towns. It's going to Jerusalem. It's going to the ends of the earth. And I'm, and I'm anointing every single one of you, my followers, to do this, as we're going to see here in a little bit. As we look at even business models today, growing companies, Ask any of the people that run them, the CEOs, what's one of their biggest problems. It's finding employees that are good workers. It's finding employers, employees that have good work ethics, that, that believe what they're selling or what they're doing. And here we see Jesus. He's saying, this is not a limited commodity. And you are awesome people that I'm giving an incredible message to take to the ends of the world. And he believes in mankind. Congratulations. We get to take this message to the 35 cities that we're coming up on. We get to take this message to Greeley. We get to take this message to the ends of the earth because God saw fit to take this thing and say it's not a limited commodity and you now are the employers or the ambassadors or the disciples to take this message to the ends of the earth, to our neighbors, to our workplaces, wherever we go. I look at that and I thank God for that. As we look at these first two verses, I want to point out three words, and then we'll move on off these first two verses. Here's the the, the words I want to uh, underline. Appointed, sent, and ask. Appointed, sent, and ask. Jesus, I believe, in in our life. God, I believe, in our life has, has appointed us. We've received a mission from God. A lot of times in our life, maybe, maybe you have prayed a, a prayer in your life, you're like the, uh, Isaiah 6, 8, God, here I am, send me. Like we, we come to know who God is, and we say, God, here I am, send me, and he appoints us, he gives us a mission in life. And all of us have different kinds of missions in life. Some of us today are, are walking in missions that are, that are so hard to do. And I'm thinking of moms with little kids and getting them ready for little programs and stuff like this. We're all in missions that are different. I'm thinking of Brittany that works in a, in a school system, and she works with extremely hard kids to, to work with. I'm thinking of students. I'm thinking of all of us right now that are in jobs. We're all in our mission fields. We're moms. We're dads. We're brothers. We're sisters. God has appointed us these missions. And at some point in our life, we're saying, God, here I am. Send me. Well, he does. He does this to these 70, these 72 people. And what does he do? He sends them, and he sends them two by two because he knows that this mission, that if life is hard, that this is difficult to live. Are any of you living just simple lives that are easy? Life is hard. Life is difficult. But he says, here I am, and I'm sending you, and I've appointed you, and I am here to help you. I just want to ask this. Are you going to ask me, God, to equip you for this harvest, for this ministry that you have. How many of you in your day in and day out, you wake up and you say, God, here I am, send me, please use me. God, please bring people to help me in this ministry. God, please encourage me. God, please show me how to live today. It's easy for us to wake up, throw our boots on, and go throughout our mission, go throughout our life, and never focus on God. Then we do it in our power, when we do it in our power, it never works out good for me. Does it work out good for you? I wrote down something that that I've really had to think about a lot, and and it's this. God has given each of us a mission bigger than ourselves. It's by the sweat of our brow and total dependence on God, we will accomplish His ministry. Would you agree with that? Let me me say this again and let you just kind of think about this. God has given us a mission bigger than ourselves. It's by the sweat of our brow and total dependence on God we will accomplish His ministry. God's looking at the disciples saying, Where you're about to go is going to be extremely hard, as we read about a minute ago. You're going to have to work for it, there's going to be sweat on your brow. And the only way that you're going to accomplish this is by totally depending on me. All right, let's go on to verse 3. This is, this is hard stuff to work through. I've had a hard time this week. Can you tell? Are you, is anyone tracking or are you lost? Raise your hand if you're lost completely. No? no. Brant's like, I'm lost. Okay. If you're lost, welcome to Church Project. Let's start on verse 3 because I believe this is almost a different message going into verse 3. Starts with this wonderful word, action word. What is it? Go. It's not a limited commodity. I, Jesus, love you, my disciples. Go. Oh, but don't worry. I'm just sending you to the wolves, and you're like a lamb. You're defenseless. Don't worry. (laughs) It'll be good. And if you feel like that's the kind of life that you're living, you're going out to the wolves defenseless. Jesus says, go, I'm sending you with the world's best message, and I'm sending you as a lamb to the wolves. This is not going to be easy. But the disciples to this point, for the most part, what have they done? They've been with Jesus. they followed Jesus. He's taught them. He's loved them. He's done some incredible things. They've been with Jesus, and he's beginning to look at them And he's beginning to get a little bit mad and he's beginning to say, go, go away. How many of us read the Bible to master it instead to be mastered by it? How many of us spend time with Jesus to say, oh, I got you figured out, God, like I got you. So we spend time with that, with Jesus, so we can figure him out instead of, him to figure us out and for us to realize how much he loves us. Do we read the Bible to master it or do we read the Bible to be mastered by it? The disciples at this point, they had spent so much time with Jesus. He's beginning to look at them and saying, get on out of here. Go, go, go. You know me. You spent time with me. Now take this message to the ends of the earth. Take it, take it, take it. It's like we need to sit with the king long enough to realize how much he loves us and then go execute that love plan to the world at large. How many of you guys, ladies, ever played football? Raise your hand. We need to get some we need to get some talking. We need to shake it up a little bit, okay? We need to get up and do a wave or something. Let's do a wave. All right? How many of you ever played football? I, I was so excited to play football. I was a little tiny guy. I would eat all I could and I, I would just barely make wrestling cutoff as in the amount you had to weigh to wrestle, right? Like, I was a little tiny dude. And I remember my seventh grade, I, I finally got to get into football. And I go and I check out this probably Toys R Us football helmet. You know, I mean, I got my gear and I learned how to carry it because I'd watched older guys do it. And I'm, I go home on the bus with my gear. I didn't even know how to put this on yet, but I'm so excited to, to get this, right? And so I go, and, and I get on my gear, and I'd watch too many Denver Bronco games and Dallas Cowboy games. So first thing I do is I figure out how to get all my gear on. I put my helmet on. Then I do that cool mouthpiece thing where you dip it in hot water, and you mess it up, and you get your mouthpiece formed. I got that. I think I even did you know black stuff under my eyes. And I, and I went out into the yard in the backyard, and I looked at our brick wall. No joke. Totally. <laughs> And I'm like, you're mine. And I just, uh, uh, and I took off running, and I smashed that brick wall as hard as I could. I about took that brick wall out. I was so excited. And I had a headache, and I hated football after that. Like that was that was it. That was my moment. It wasn't as cool, and those things didn't protect the way that I thought it, that that they would. But I was ready. I was ready to go. I was ready to execute. I was ready to go for this thing. And I feel like Jesus is looking at these disciples at this moment, and he's saying, man, you have got a message. Like, this is an incredible message. You've been waiting for so long for it. Now go! Like, go! Go to the world! Like, go tell people who don't love me. Go tell people that are hurting, that are full of pain. Go, you have this message. And yes, by the way, it's like a lamb going to the wolves. You will experience pain in this life. We had a baptism here this last year, and I I love those. I'm I'm excited for the baptisms. I, I think they're incredible. One of the things I want to say, though, to people who become Christians is I'm like, seriously, if you knew the Bible that I read, if you knew the God that I know, welcome to some pain. Welcome to some hard times. Welcome to going as a lamb amongst the wolves. Because this is not meant to be just a comfortable message. It's supposed to hurt a little bit. Because this message goes against heaven. It goes against, I mean, hell. It goes against Satan. It goes against this world. And guys, guess what? The Bible calls us as Christians aliens and strangers among this world. This is not meant to be the easiest thing ever, and Jesus knows this. He knows that at times we're going to be so excited, we're going to put on our football helmet, and we're going to smash into a brick wall. And he says, that's okay. I love your zeal, but I'm still here for you. I'm still here, disciples. Church, I'm still here for you. Let's move on here. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take. I'm going to pause right there. Do not take what? Do not take purse, bag, sandals. Do not take your 401k. Do not take, what's the list you're going to put right there? We have so many excuses that when God says go, we're like, yeah, God, but I got to get this in line or I got to do this. Like we create all these excuses and he's saying those are great, but those excuses oftentimes remove your dependence off of me. Jesus is saying go. You have everything that you need. You're alive. You're breathing. You have my power. Now go do not take this. It's not going to be easy. Focus on, on not the cross, but focus on the consequence of the cross. i want to say that again because my grandpa said that on Tuesday, and I don't want to mess it up, but it's really good, okay? We're going to explain this thing. Don't focus on the cross. Focus on the consequence of the cross. And let it sink in for a second. Jesus, if Jesus were to focus on the cross itself, that's pretty painful, isn't it? When Jesus started focusing on the consequence of the cross, we hear consequence and we think negative, right? Consequences can also be good. When Jesus begins to focus on the consequence of the cross, mankind being saved from sin, then it said he was resolute on Jerusalem. He was set. On Jerusalem he had everything that he needed what's the crosses in our life that we're focusing on and Jesus is saying don't focus on that cross focus on what I'm doing through that cross what pain are you going through what problems are you going through that's the cross and it may hurt it may be like a lamb among wolves I'm not promising this life is going to be easy and without pain it may hurt but don't focus on that cross focus what I'm doing through that cross Focus that Jesus died on the cross, a horrible death, so he could save mankind. You and I are going through things that are hard in our life, and if we focus on those things, it will take us out. But if we focus on what God is doing through those things, it should give us great joy and comfort, knowing that God Almighty is walking us through those things. And we have everything that we need to walk through the ugliest things in life. Have you found this to be true? How does this play out in your life? doesn't sound good, does it? Well, welcome to the true message of the gospel. This is hard. This is painful. And Jesus smiles at the end of that cross saying, look what happens. My story of love, there's no other way to come about but this way. What crosses are you going through in your life today that are hard? Don't focus on those crosses. Focus on what God's doing and how he's building and how he's loving through that. You see this? You're going as lambs among wolves. Don't take anything. Those are just excuses. Stop building excuses. You have everything that you need. You have Jesus on this journey that's going to walk through life. It will be hard, but it will be good if you focus on the consequences of the cross, not the cross itself. Then we get to verse 5, and we'll fly through this next part, by the way, okay? This is where I'm I'm counting on you guys to go home and read it too, okay? Verse 5 and 6 kind of go together. It says this, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. In verse 5 and 6, I wonder about this. This is kind of Jesus sending them to the town. He's saying, go to these these houses say peace. If they go peace, then you're good. You're set up. But if they don't, leave and keep going. And I think he's saying set up your home base so there's not distractions there. Oftentimes in our house, even in our homes, think about our homes. How is it like if there's strife among your house? You feel good when you leave for work that morning? You feel good when you leave that house? I think Jesus has even given us a glimpse into how we should live our lives right here as we go about our lives in mission. He's saying, How is your house? Is there peace in your house? Does your household love me? If so, great, that's awesome. We've got to set up our home bases, church, our literal homes, our heart, our houses where our family live. We've got to set up our home base so there's peace there and we're focused on Jesus Christ. Because if things at home are not right, if things in your heart are not right, it doesn't matter if you win the biggest lottery ever. It doesn't matter what goes on in your life. There will not be peace in your life. Church project, we started three years ago, two and a half, three years ago. And so far, we've been operating as a leadership team. You know, men that are just praying for us, seeking direction for us. One of the things we're seeking right now is just the location. God, do you want us to move for locations? You're seeing that we're getting more kids here. We're running out of kids space. In here, we can cram about 100 more people, so come on. But the kids are here. We're, we're starting to have a little bit of problems. If you don't believe me, go up there right now. You'll pull your hair out. <laughs> it's one of the things that we're focusing on as a, as a leadership team. But I've got to tell you this. We've got to get our home base set up, our leadership team, our men. And one of the things that we're moving forward right now is towards an eldership, where we have men that are elders leading us and praying for us, because we know that if Satan's going to attack this place, where's he going to attack it? At the core. He's going to take our leaders out. At the core. He's going to take me out. He's going to take us out. One by one. He's going to to successfully do that. So I ask you this. Are you praying for me? Are you praying for our leaders? Are you praying for each other here? This is our home base. Is there peace here? Are we running after God? Let's move to verse 7 and verse 8. Stay there. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered uh, to you. Okay, verse 7 and 8, I really think it just says, work hard and trust on God. He'll provide your needs. You deserve to get paid when you work hard. That's about all I could get out of those, so sorry. Someone else can explain those to me. All right, let's move on. <laughs> Really, that's all I got, all right? All right, let's go, let's go to verse 9. Because I think this is the most, important, the most important piece of the whole message is verse 9. I think everything is pointing us to verse 9 right here. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. To you. I think this is the central point of this whole message, besides the very last verse. I think this is the very central point. Jesus has given them power. We are part of his body, and he has given us the power to heal the sick. He's given us the power to speak life into dead places. He's given us authority to do that. How many believe that? How many believe that Jesus is in you and there's power that is in you? Now, it's not to be used as just a sorcerer throwing stuff aside. It's to be used when Jesus calls upon that and says, you are not walking through life alone. You are walking with me. And with me, you can do many, many things according to my will. It's not something that we can wave a wand and we have this power, but when we're walking in, in strength with Jesus and his word, then we have the power of Jesus in us. says so we can heal the sick who are there and tell them, and the kingdom of God has come near to you. Has come near to you. The kingdom of God is in us right now. That's powerful, to know that Jesus is looking at the disciples, saying, go tell the world this message. And by the way, you're going to the the wolves like sheep, but I've given you the power, and I am with you. I don't think I need to explain that anymore. If you're wrestling through that, go look at that. He's saying, depend on me. This message, you can't do it alone. But I've given you the power, and I'm with you. That's exciting to me. Now we get to this next part, and I'm really just going to summarize. We're not even going to read the rest of the verses. But if you look at the towns, we have Tyre, or Tyre, and Sidon. And it says, man, they're they're going to be all right. They're going to be better than Chorazon, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Now to give you a little bit about these cities, Tyre and Sidon or significant pagan cities, really nothing to do with Jesus. But the other cities, Corazon, Baseda, and Capernaum, Jesus had been, these are around the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had visited them, He had done miracles. 10,000 people were fed. Like, they had seen the power of Jesus in those cities. They had seen his grace. They had seen his love. And Jesus is saying, that grace was it for naught because these cities are not completely trusting on me. So I want to ask us these questions right here, okay? Have you received God's grace in vain? Like, has God done incredible good things in your city, in your life? And yet we move on like it was nothing. Or do we accept this grace and the love when he he pours out his love on this mission that we're on in life. And we say, God, thank you for this. And we embrace it. And and we realize that it wasn't us, but it was God completely running after us and going for us. Have you received God's grace in your life in vain? Or are you thankful for absolutely everything he's given us? I want to point out the last verse. Verse just to make this choppy message a little more choppy and to get you guys thinking a little bit about this. How many me's do you see and how many you's do you see in verse 16? I'll read it in case you don't have your Bible. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Who is this about? Jesus. 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 And if this life is ever about us, our comforts, our pleasures, our missions, we're off base from the very beginning. Right? See two years before, say we see four me's, it's about Jesus. Don't focus on your cross, focus on the results, the consequences of that cross. Don't focus on the problems that we're going through right now, church at large, or just as a body or just as an individual, don't focus on those addictions, those things like that. Focus on Jesus himself. Focus on Jesus himself. He will walk you through those addictions. He will walk you through those hard times. He will walk you through the moments in life where you feel like you're drowning because it's so hard, you don't know how you're going to make it. Any of you ever been there? Any of you ever stayed awake at night and just saying, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this? He says, good, because you don't have to figure this out. Focus on me. I've sent you out. I've appointed you. Are you seeking my face? Are you asking for my direction and my love? I will walk you through all things in life if you stay focused on me. Church, does that get you excited or does that stress you out? For me, that gets me excited. I think of Jesus, I think of his love, I think that this world and life is going to be hard, but I smile knowing that Jesus is already defeated and can walk me through anything and everything. So his name will be known. That's it. That's it. And as a pastor, I can sit here and say one of the hardest messages I've had to give because... What I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to have one central idea, and I'm supposed to drive it home like 20 times. So you leave here and you know that one central idea. That never hit. That never hit. In fact, two or three never hit. I had a couple little things in here that I think God said, but other, other than that, what did this mean to you? Like, what did it mean? If I'm to present a message to you, I failed miserably it was me and my words but if I'm supposed to count on the Holy Spirit to do something in your life what did he do in your life what did he show you through this passage honestly he may have shown you that you checked out during this whole message and that may be what you're doing through life with Jesus checking out what did God show you today through this What can you learn tomorrow morning when you pick this up and you start reading through this? My hope and my prayer is that more than anything this morning, you realize that Jesus loves you. He's given us a great mission. It's not going to be easy, but He's equipped you. And if we stay focused on Him, it's about Him, anyways and he's going to get us through this thing. So what is it today you're focusing on that is different from that? What problems are you focusing on today that really you shouldn't be focusing on? Are you focusing on the face of a king? Are you experiencing his love? Are you giving him every moment of your life? I want to ask us right now just to have a time just to meditate on what God may be showing us or teaching us. And so if you would like, you're invited to close your Bible, shut down your Uversion app or whatever, and just spend some time thinking, asking God to show you something. If you're comfortable with it, just hold your hands out in front of you and say, God, here it is. Like I'm laying it out in front of you. If you're real, God, show me. God, here's problems that I don't know how to deal with. Give them to him. In this moment, just be real with God. Be honest with God, each and every one of us. If I can give a message that's choppy and messed up, should show you that there's not a formula to this thing. So don't walk through a formula this morning. Be real. Talk with God. He's big enough. Pray with someone. We're going to have some men up here that would love to pray with you. In the back that would love to pray with you. Maybe it's just sitting there and letting God work in your heart and in your mind, but ask God, say, God, here's my life. Please show me what it is you want to show me today. I'm gonna ask us some questions. It'll maybe help you to focus in on God this morning. What mission has God charged you with? How are you living your life right now? Are you focused more on that mission or are you focused more on the mission giver, Jesus Christ? For some of us, we're like Aaron, full of zeal, running into a a brick wall, just so excited. And Jesus is like, slow down, man, slow down. This is about a relationship with me, not charging the world, a relationship with me. Some of us, maybe we need to give that to God. Say, God, in my zeal, I have run ahead of you. God, in this place, please show me what it looks like to walk one day at a time with you and to be appointed by you. You find yourself in this place this morning at a point where, yeah, you've run ahead of God. Ask God to... Forgive you of that and to slow you down, to rein you in so you can focus on him and who he is. For some of us, it may may do us a whole lot of good. As we feel like, yeah, we've been wolves th- or, or sheep thrown out to the wolves, amongst wolves, it may do us a whole lot of good to think back on those moments in our life. And we may be going through them right now, but think back on those moments where it felt like we were a, a lamb or a sheep among wolves, but God rescued us. And to remember those, bring those things back to mind so easy to move from one problem or one stress to the next and never thank God for getting us through the one that we just came through. So just spend a couple moments in silence this morning thanking God that you're sitting here today and he's gotten you through everything that you've gotten through today. fact that we're sitting here today and we can hear this God's not through with us yet Oh it doesn't matter how much you have messed up I have messed up God is not through with us yet He loves us greatly Do you know that? Do you know that God loves you greatly? Are we perfect? No, we've messed up. And God is there saying come to me My grace is sufficient. Focus on me. Oh, child, I love you, and I've got great, great plans for you. Hey, child, wake up. Like, let's do this life together. Some of you, you're wrestling with God in this place. Honestly, you've been burnt by church or by others. You just don't find it to be real. Too many variances in the Bible, like all sorts of stuff that you're wrestling through right now. If that's you, I would love to talk with you, but beyond that, I'm just human. Ask God to show Himself to you. He will, but the bottom line will come up to do you believe that Jesus is who He says He is? He loves you, He's forgiven you of all your sins, He's died on a cross for you. Will you accept that love? We can all look back at times in our life where Jesus, like these cities, He came into us. He gave us great grace. He did huge miracles in our lives. But yet we've moved on, just like those cities, unfocused on Him. So in this place, just pray, God, please waken me up to you. It's not about me. It's about you. It's not what about what I want. It's about what you want and what you're doing and who you are. So I'm going to invite us now for a couple things. One, we'll stand up in a minute and just sing to God. But if you're wrestling with who God is, I would love to talk with you. These men would love to talk with you. If you just need to pray or something you're going through in life that is incredibly hard you don't have to go through that alone we're here we'd love to pray with you and talk with you but this church is the most important time because when we this is where we get to respond to Jesus and what he's doing in our lives personally so don't let this time just fade away let this be a very honest and real time with God it may be our last or we may be given another day tomorrow God, thank you for today. Thank you for being here. I pray that your spirit has taught us each something. And beyond that, God, I pray that we've all seen your face today.